we explore, first of all, what faith really is. And last week we talked about how to have faith when everything goes pear-shaped. Because inevitably, at some point, your faith will be tested. Today I want to talk about faith without wavering. Because I don't know about you, but I sort of say, yes, I believe, yes, I believe. And then after a while, I kind of like, I, I still kind of believe. You know, is anybody there with me? Am I the only one with wavering faith at times? There are a few others, good. Because, you know, faith is like that. It's, it's a dynamic thing. It's not just you've got it or you haven't. It's something that you have to work on. And, and sometimes it's just hard. And sometimes you believe God for something. And particularly if it's delayed, and I'm looking around and several of you know what I'm talking about. If it's like your faith starts to waver a little bit. And I want to address that directly. So if you've got a Bible, please open to Romans 4. We're going to read from uh, verses 17 to 22. If you have this memorized, good for you. And if you don't, we also have an app. Uh, <coughs> our church app has, has the Bible on it and has the notes to this message as well. So let's just pray and let's just ask the Lord to open the scriptures to us as we look at this incredible area of faith. Lord, we pray, Father, as we gather around your word that you would speak to us, all of us, because we all struggle at some point with wavering faith. Lord, we don't want to waver. We want to trust in you. And I pray that you would speak to us and teach us how our faith can be stronger in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? <laughs> Verse 17, Paul writes this. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. So this is uh, God speaking to Abraham. In the presence of the God whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Remember, the, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at that. And we looked at the one that's talking about there is God. So there's this, this idea out there, uh, the secret, and some of these secular guys are saying, you can just speak it into being. If you, if you believe enough and you say it over and over again, then, then something with, good things will happen to you. And that, that's what they teach people. You, your voice has power, you can speak it into being. But that's not what the Bible says. It says God said it. And so unless your speech lines up with God's, it doesn't happen. You can't just pick what you want and speak it into being. It's got to be what God says. Do I hear an amen to that? There's too much of that other stuff going on, even in Christianity. Then he writes this, In hope he believed against hope, this is Abraham he's talking about, that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered... <coughs> excuse me, the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do that, what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. And see, that's the thing. God counts your faith as righteousness. If you believe and you don't waver, thank you for that. I'm still... Uh, I got flu last week. This is just the tail end. And uh, so I might take a few sips of drink. So Abraham had been called, he's been called the father of faith. So we want to know what this guy has on faith and how we can get that for ourselves. Because what the Bible says is against all odds, against science, against nature, against circumstances, Abraham believed God for a son. And he did so, the Bible says, without wavering. And I think that's an amazing statement. Now, I don't know about you, but my faith sometimes wavers. Does yours? 
It does. You know, you believe, you, and, and particularly if you come to church and, and God's laid something on your heart and you believe God and, and you're standing here in faith and there's miracles happening all around you. But then if you, if, you, if you leave church and you go home or you go to your workplace or school or university or whatever, suddenly your faith starts to waver, doesn't it? Because you're not surrounded by the faith of others as well. So let's have a look at what happened for Abraham. First of all, I would say this, he didn't always have wavering faith. He was commended for, for, sorry, unwavering faith. He was commended for his faith not wavering, but that's, there's something happened before that. And if you look at what happened in the situation with Abraham wanting a son, Abraham and Sarah, it, it had been a long time and they'd waited a while. How many of you know that God makes you wait a while? Is that right? I used to say, how does God start a race? Red, ready, set, wait. And there you are. Ready to go. You know, that's how he starts a race. So it usually takes longer than what we want. And how many of you know that after a while you look at it and you say, I think I can solve this. Am I right? That's exactly what Abraham and Sarah thought. So they decided they could solve God's problem for him. And many of us do this. So I think it's worth looking at. Abraham was 100 years old. His wife Sarah was not far behind. It was physically <coughs> and scientifically impossible for them to have a child. Abraham had been given a promise years before in Genesis 15. It says this, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside. And he said, look at the heavens. Look at the number of stars. If you are able to number, him, number them, so shall your offspring be. So he wasn't just promised. Abraham wasn't just promised a son. He was promised so many like offspring as many as the stars in the sky. Now, there's billions of those. So, you know, this was really a, a crunch point for him. But Abraham and Sarah grew impatient. And they initially, they decided to solve God's problem for him. And we often do that too. How many, how many of you have said, you know, you're facing a situation, God's taking a long time to come through, you just say, Lord, leave it with me, I've got it from here. It's, it's all good. You, you just sit down and relax, have a cuppa, I'm going to deal with this. And we do, we do it, don't we? We try and solve it. And I found myself over the last couple of months, because we, if, if you attend church here, you realise there are miracles happening all over the place here. There's a few more on the way I can't tell you about yet, but they are huge. Miracles in and around Ignite and Lily House and our whole community. Many are seeing indiv individual miracles in your own life. We're seeing God do incredible things. But I have found myself on more than one occasion over the last couple of months where somebody says, well, here's the problem. We could, if we did this and we twisted this and <coughs> brought this over, we could probably solve this problem. And I've said to myself, I know we could probably solve this, but I want to see what God does in this problem. Because inevitably his ways are higher than mine. But Abraham and um, Sarah decided they could solve God's problem for him. And so what they did was they said, well, let's get, get our slave girl here, Hagar, and, and you can lie with her, and she will give us a son. His name's Ishmael, and he can be the one. No problem. God, we've done it. Brilliant. Look at this. See, see this? We did this. And in, in so doing, as you know, if you know history, that he opened up world conflict for the, till the end of time. By fathering, by trying to solve the problem himself. When God reminded Abraham, God made him wait, and then Abraham tried to solve it, and then God reminded him of that. 
And then in Genesis 17 verse 18 it says this, Abraham said to God, oh Ishmael might live, oh that he might live before you. God, I know we, we, we did, the, but, but let this guy be the one. The problem's solved. You don't have to do anything, God. It's done. But then God says this, No, Sarah, and your, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting, everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. You see, they tried to solve it for God, but God was not interested because God had a plan. And all they did was they created a mess. How many of you have tried to solve God's problems for him and created a mess? My hand is firmly in the air. Because I've done a whole bunch of stuff that has backfired and blown up and, 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 and then we blame God. God, how can you let this happen? And God's going, man, I didn't even do anything. You did it all. I think we need to find out what God is doing, don't you? So that's where Abraham was like, where he was at. Despite his advanced age, he hoped against hope for the promise of God, the Bible says. So faith is a little bit like a tube of hope. I don't know if you're you've, uh, familiar with this story, but back mm, several years ago now, 33 miners in Chile were once trapped more than 2,000 feet underground. Next slide, thanks, because it shows the guys here. They were trapped more than 2,000 feet underground. No one even knew exactly where they were. They were trapped beneath the surface. They were helpless. They were hopeless. They were desperate. If they were ever going to be saved, they couldn't do anything. Someone had to find them from on the surface and get to them. After, <coughs> after several weeks, the miner's location was pinpointed and the rescue workers were able to lower a tube down to the miners. And they were able to put things like toothpaste, food and other survival things in that tube. They hadn't got them out yet, but they were able to lower this tube to them. And uh, that gave them a lot of hope in the midst of their dark and desperate situation because they had these little, little uh, things that they could uh, cling on to, like toothpaste. How important is toothpaste? I don't know. Ask your wife or husband. <laughs> they will tell you. The tube providing, providing this hope it had provided the hope that someone up there was thinking of us and was, was going to rescue us. And <coughs> they were doing everything in their power to deliver them from the pit. Now, the tube itself didn't deliver them at that point, but it gave them hope that deliverance was on the way. Then after 59 days, every miner, every miner was successfully brought to the surface using the tube. And they said... One of them said, we, never, we, we knew we'd be rescued, we never lost faith. So that's what faith is like. See, once, once what you're believing for has come to pass, once the miracle has happened, you don't need faith anymore. Faith is like that tube that keeps you in touch, letting you know that it's coming down the line. And that's what it says where, where Abraham hoped against hope. He had this faith, and that was like that little tube where they're going to lower stuff down to, to keep his spirit up and to keep him you know, focused on the right thing and to ultimately see to his deliverance and the answering of the miracle. So we're seeing lots of miracles around here. I want to look at how Abraham faced this and I want to draw four lessons out of it for us as believers. Because if you, if you think, if you Google faith, you'll find all sorts of stuff out there. And I want to kind of cut through all that and talk about what real faith really is from the life of Abraham. Now the first thing is Abraham didn't fake it. Did they actually say that in church, that people fake faith? Have you seen it? 
you know, I remember talking to people and they've got sore throats and bleary eyes and coughing and spluttering and they're saying, oh, I'm healed. I said, well, if that's your healing, get your money back because it's not good. You know, get it done. Like if God's going to heal you, he's going to heal you, right? Like a proper one, not, not a fake one. You don't have to fake stuff. It's not fake it till you make it. It's trust God and let him sort it out. And, and so many people, they, they try to stay faithful because, and, and so they sort of convince themselves that, that they're going to do it and they say, well, I, I, by faith I'm going to do this or I'm going to claim this and all that sort of stuff. But Abraham didn't fake. The thing I love about Abraham is he didn't gloss over the facts. Look at verse 19 of Romans 4. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. See, Abraham didn't sit there with a mind-numbing mantra saying, oh, I am virile, I am virile, I am, I am going to have a baby, I'm virile, I'm virile, I, I really am, I don't, you know, I really am, and try and convince him. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He looked at his body and it was, it's as good as dead. I'm 100 years old, he said. How in the, in the world am I, Sarah's 90 plus, how are we going to do this? He looked at the facts square in the eye and acknowledged the facts. He didn't fake it. He acknowledged the facts, looked them square in the eye. He said, facts, I know, you know, my body is as good as dead. I get that. But when he looked at the facts, he said, but my God's bigger than you. He didn't let the facts climb on top of him. He said, I'm going to acknowledge those facts are there. That's fact. But my God is bigger than you. My God is bigger than that. There's no point denying facts. You just sound like a crazy person. Miracles occur. Here's the thing. Miracles occur when God supersedes the facts. I love people who sit down and try and explain to you God's miracles and try and come up with a physical explanation. Don't you love those guys? The classic is, you know, the, the Egyptians drowning in the Red Sea when, when, when the Israelites walked over on dry land and the Egyptians drowned in the Red Sea. And people say, well, that's not really a miracle because it could have been the Reed Sea, which was only knee deep. And so the people just walked through and that's not really a miracle. But it is because, praise the Lord, all the Egyptians drowned in knee deep water. <laughs> However you slice and dice it, that's a miracle. See, miracles occur when God supersedes the facts. And that's what Abraham was all about. The Greek word for considered, when it says he, 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 he did not weaken in his faith, but considered his own body, is the word kantanoe, which means to fix your eyes upon. Isn't that an interesting phrase? To fix your eyes upon. And that's a huge clue in Abraham's faith. He acknowledged the facts, but he did not fix his eyes on them. He said, I'm going to fix my eyes on God, who is bigger than the facts. So I want to encourage you, if, if God's spoken to you, if you are believing for something, don't try and fake it. Just fix your eyes on him because he's bigger than all that stuff. He really is. The second thing is that Abraham never wavered. Romans 4.20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. Now, if you're like me, you start with faith. You come to church, God speaks to you. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to believe the Lord for this. I'm going to believe the Lord. And after a while, your faith starts to sort of waver a little bit. And the Greek word for waver is the word diakrino, which is a compound word, dia meaning to and krino meaning judge. So what it means, <coughs> it means having two judges. So what it's saying is you vacillate between two opinions. Isn't that exactly what wavering is? 
God can do this. I believe God can do this. But maybe he can't. But yes, but he can. We know he can. The Bible says he can. But maybe he doesn't want it for me. You see what happens? You start, vas- you start arguing with yourself. How many of you argue with yourself? Don't put your hands up. You... <laughs> I sometimes argue with myself. But it implies a mental struggle with faith. Now James relates this back to faith as well. In James 1 verse 6 to 8, listen to this. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And I have to confess to you, sometimes I am a double-minded man. I am unstable in, some, in my ways at times when it comes to faith. So a double-minded or unstable or wavering faith just stops you from seeing miracles. Because you, sit, you, you believe, but then you go back on your belief. And you start to debate it with yourself and you become double-minded. Bible says you won't get anything that way. You know God is able, you know he loves you. You, you just can't comprehend that he would do this miracle for you. So another instance of the word wavering or a similar word wavering is when Elijah is facing off against the prophets of Baal. You remember that? He's on Mount Carmel. The the battle lines are drawn up. And uh, you've got all these prophets of Baal versus one man. And boy, I'll tell you what, you're going to want to have some faith. You know, that's that's a place where you need faith. And so Elijah came near to the people, it says in, in 1 Kings 18 verse 21, and said this, How long will you go on limping or wavering between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. And the people did not answer a word because they were embarrassed. But he said, how long are you going to limp between two opinions? See, wavering is limping. Some translations actually translate that as dancing. So you can imagine, like, you've got two points. I believe. I don't believe. I believe. I don't believe. You know, and 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 you're dancing back and forward. You know, I, and, and my dancing is terrible. Ask Fiona. She, she has damage to her toes by my dancing. So, you know, I don't want to limp anywhere around her because it's going to be... But you, you see what it's saying? This wavering is, is just entertaining the two sides all the time and going back and forward. But Abraham didn't do that. That's the exciting thing. The third thing about Abraham's faith is that Abraham grew strong. Romans 4.20 says this, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he, drew, he grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God. Hmm? What does it mean to grow strong in your faith? Abraham grew strong in his faith. So he didn't just snap his fingers and suddenly had loads of faith. Faith is built over time. He grew strong. The word for, for grew strong is the word endinamu in Greek, which means growing in strength and power. And if you know the word dinamu or dinamis, um, that, that is the, word, the Greek word for power is dynamis or dinamu. And that is the same word that we get dynamite from, right? Dinamu, dynamite. And so Abraham's faith became dynamite. Because it grew into that situation. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3 says this, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. See, faith grows. How does this even work? Well, we've seen it illustrated here in our church time and time again. A small amount of faith 
and we believe and and when that comes to pass and our faith is rewarded we say okay that's great then another miracle comes that is bigger and so you look back and you say well God was faithful here and you can believe him for more and then for more and then for and your faith actually grows in time how many of you have experienced that yeah, so you don't just snap your fingers and suddenly you believe for awesome things. We've seen a progression here as God has, has, has brought the church here. He's prospered us, pros, prospered Lily House, all of this stuff that we believed for, but <coughs> we had to grow to that point. We, we didn't just snap our fingers and we were there. And Abraham had seen the same. God had led him out, out of his old land into a new land. He defeated enemies. He prospered financially, protected him. And each step leads you to the next step, to believe for the next step. Look at David. David, you might think Goliath is the first thing that David took on, but Goliath wasn't. What did he do before then? He was a shepherd boy. He killed a lion. He killed a bear. Goliath's just another step up. You see, because God had built his faith already. And the Bible says God is faithful. So if he has blessed you in some way in the past, that is evidence that he will continue to bless you if you walk with him in the future. You can build on that faith. That's exactly what's happening right here. When I took over this church, the church had $25,000 worth of assets. And we had to believe we had a, a deadline to buy the property up there at Pine Grove Road. And we believed the Lord and he brought in a quarter of a million dollars miraculously. And I, to this day, I can't tell you where it came from. Don't try and analyse miracles. They just do, right? And, and then when we wanted to move here, most of you are familiar with the story, we wanted to move here. We had to sell that property. Um, Deb came to us and said, why, why don't you sell it to Lily House? I said, well, that's, that's a great idea, but they have no money. It's our charity, but it has no money. And a guy we've never met before came and wrote a cheque for $700,000 for them to buy that so we could move here. And see, and it's just gone on from then. We've got tens of thousands of dollars where God has brought miracles into the place. And you just reach the point where you just expect God to do miracles. Because he does. Right? Because it's, but it's based on all of the previous experience that we've had because we can now see God was faithful there, faithful there, faithful there. Is he going to be faithful again? The answer is yes. That's how we figure it. That's how your faith grows. Even in today. And I keep believing for big things. People say, well, you must be happy to be here. Yes, I am, but I'm believing for more. Well, you know, why not? Because God can do this stuff. I remember when I first, we first faced that debt up there. I got together with my board and I said to God, I only just stepped into the position and I said to God, I cannot believe that you would lead me to become a pastor of this church and then pull the rug out from under me. I just couldn't believe it. So there was no alternative. God had to do something. Because I said, I said if, if you're going to put me in this position and then smash me down, I'm not into that at all, God. I'll walk away right now. And God was faithful because I'd heard him and I'd walked with him. So, if, and, and the thing is, it's not just, this is what I want you to understand this morning, it's not just your faith. You might be believing for something big, like for your business to take off, you know, or for your family to get, or for kids to get saved, or for you to get a home, or whatever it is. But it's not just your faith, because the great thing is we can join our faith together. And that builds us up as well. The fourth thing is that Abraham was fully convinced, Romans 4.21, fully convinced that God was able to do it as he had promised. Now, the word fully convinced is the word pleurophorio, which is a compound word 
Two words, plero meaning fullness, and um, sorry, yeah, plero meaning fullness, with phorio meaning burdened or clothed. So when he says fully convinced, it means he was completely clothed in this. Isn't that a good illustration? He's, he was completely clothed in his faith. So this word means completely clothed with the belief that God is willing and able to do as he has promised. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where something has fallen away and you haven't got clothes on or not many clothes on. Have you ever been in that situation? And you stand there and like the, the barrier falls down and you go, <gasps> right? That's because you're exposed. But when you're fully clothed, you don't react that way, do you? Because you, 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 you're just fully clothed. There's nothing to be ashamed of. And he... <coughs> Abraham was fully clothed in this faith. Now it reminds me of Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So it's a similar word, convinced, conviction, assurance. You can be fully clothed in the absolute unwavering assurity that God will do as he's promised. Isn't that incredible? But I don't want to leave it there because I believe that God can go way beyond, don't you? I believe that God can just go right over the top and go way beyond going way beyond. So let me remind you that Paul gives a promise in Ephesians. In Ephesians 3.20, this is this verse here. Say it all with me, right? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. I really like that verse a lot because I can think pretty big. And so he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think. So the bigger you think, guess what? He can go beyond that. That's so exciting. Now the word for power, see that word power up there? That's the word dynamis. There it is again. Explosive power. So what it means is faith power can blow the opposition away. How good is that? You know, I, I think this is exciting. One of my, my one of the coolest times, I think I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. One of the coolest times I ever had in the Philippines was when we were traveling with a team up in the mountains and this, all these rocks had fallen across the road, really big rocks, and no one could move them. They had a little kind of um, excavator thing there and it couldn't move them. It was too big. And so we were all trapped and we couldn't go any further. The rocks were across the road, sort of on this big drop down into a, into a river area, just a small road. Wondered what, we need, wondered what we could do. Well, the answer was dynamite, which is very cool. And so all these little Filipino guys came out and they don't have workplace health and safety like we do. So they're like in thongs, no hard hats smoking uh, with a stick of dynamite and they, they drilled holes in the, in, the, in the rock. They didn't have blast mats, they just drilled holes in the rocks and then they'd stick all these bits of dynamite. This was the coolest day. I just had such a great time. I'm just watching these guys. It was awesome. Stick all these bits of dynamite in the various rocks, pull all the, the wicks and stuff together and the guy'd say, okay, everybody ready? Right? And he'd go, I'm not kidding. He actually... Everybody ran, and then the, the, the rocks would blow up. There were rocks falling on people's cars. It was awesome. It was so much fun. But I realised that dynamite's pretty, uh, pretty full-on stuff. And uh, that's, what we're that's the level of faith we're talking about, dynamite faith. <coughs> but I want to highlight the word uh, 
exceedingly abundantly there, or more abundantly, some, some translations will say. I want to show you just how radical God is and how radical our faith can become. The word for more or for exceedingly, is the word hyper, meaning above or beyond. The word for abundantly is the word hyper ek perusu. Now, perusu is exceedingly or more than is necessary. So ek is, makes the word even stronger. So what that word literally means is not that God can do abundantly, not that he can just do exceedingly abundantly, but it, he can do above and beyond exceedingly abundantly. Are you with me? Is that exciting? So you look at your life and you say, well, I don't know if God can, you know, get me a home. I don't know if God can get me a job. I don't know if God can save my child. What do you think? He can do way beyond, over the top, more exceedingly abundantly. He can do it. He can do it. So why did Abraham's faith not waver? That's the bottom line. Why did it waver? Because he was absolutely convinced that the same God who had proved himself time and time and time again would never let him down. That's why he had faith. That verse I keep getting back to in, in the psalm. I was young, but now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. I've never seen it because it doesn't happen. Because we can, when we believe the God who sustains us through all of this stuff, he will continue to do so as long as we walk with him. Doesn't apply if you head off into the sunset doing your own thing. But if you walk with God, he will never fail to supply you. That's what his word says. So, we need to not waver and we need to stand together. This is the dynamic faith that you need in your life and I in mine. <coughs> And we are seeing time and again at Ignite, at this church, we're seeing it time and time again. Miracle after miracle after miracle. I've never seen so many miracles in a church that I've ever been involved in. And most of you are saying the same thing. God is just awesome, isn't he? And we're seeing it again and again and again. But the great thing about faith is you don't have to do it all yourself. If you think back to Ephesians 6 with the armour of God, the shield of faith, Romans used their shield by locking them together, not by standing by themselves, by locking the shields together. So the way I see it, you don't have to come to church each, each week. You, you don't have to. There's no rule that says you do. But if you want to see miracles in your life, go hang out where they're happening. Does that make sense? Hang out where they're happening. You can, you can, you know, just, just cruise YouTube and have a bit of a church worship time yourself. You can do that. But I want to see miracles in my life, don't you? I want to see God do exceedingly abundantly beyond. And you can't do that by yourself. You do it when you stand with others. And you do it when you come to a place where miracles are just happening all the time. Until it becomes, it becomes just commonplace. What was that? You had a need? Thousands of dollars and God met it? Of course he did. <coughs> what else is he going to do? You prayed? You know, you know what I mean? Like you just get used to seeing God do incredible things. <coughs> this is a great place to be. Faith begets faith. And if your faith is weak or you try to believe and you waver in your mind, what, what's, if you're believing God and you're wavering, what can you do about it? The first thing is gather people around you who do have faith. You know, gather people around you who can stand with you. Because when they pray and believe, their faith can prop you up, can't it? Their faith can carry you. 
You know, the guy who was, was dropped through the roof for Jesus to heal, he had his friends believing that God was going to heal him. So he could rely on his friend's faith. I'm not, I'm not saying don't have faith yourself. I'm saying that as you join your faith with those around you, your faith gets strong. And remember, if you ask and you doubt, you're like a wave that's driven, tossed, tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And we don't want to be that person. Wavering faith fails and falls. But <coughs> you have the option, as Abraham did, of clothing yourself in the absolute surety that God will do way beyond exceeding abundantly as he's promised for you. Do you believe God can do that? Now, over the last few weeks, we've had people forward praying and believing for miracles in their life. And there's all sorts of things out there I know. There's, um, you know, operations and there's, there's um, you know, jobs and there's accommodation and all that sort of stuff. And you may have been one of those <coughs> who came out here and said, Let's, Lord, I want to, I want, by faith, I want to give this to you now and, and say, Lord, have your way. But then you leave church and you go back and you talk to other people and you hang out with them and your faith just wavers, doesn't it? And I believe, first of all, we don't want to fake it. We want to have strong faith. So just admit that your faith is wavering and let us join our faith together. Let us join together to build it up. Remember, Abraham did not waver in his faith, but he was strengthened. And your faith can be strengthened today by responding and allowing us to stand with you in faith. I am so blessed in this church We've seen a lot of miracles here, financial and otherwise, a lot of miracles. But I'm so blessed, it's not my faith. I've got people around me who stand with me, who believe with me. It's our faith. And the most important thing is, where is our faith? Our faith is in a God who doesn't let us down. It's the object of our faith, is God. You can have all the faith in the world in some new age guru, it's not going to work. But even a little bit of faith in God can move mountains. And how much more when we stand together and believe together. Some of you here are wavering. You know, you're believing God for something and it's just, it's, it's taking longer and you're tired. And I get that, I understand that. But my response to you as your pastor and also as your friend is to say, let me help you. Let our team help you. Let's stand with you. Believe in God. Because together we are stronger. Do we hear an amen? That's what unity is about. If you're together in unity, your faith is grown. And I, for one, don't want the miracles happening here in this church stopping. Do you? I want to hear more and more. I want to hear more and more about God providing for us miraculously. Are you with me? Why don't you bow your heads in prayer? <laughs> What do you believe in God for? What is God saying to you right now? Is it a home? Is it restoration for your marriage? Is it healing? Is it a job? Maybe you believed and, and, and you had faith and, and it's just wavering. But I believe we need to join our faith together. I believe we need to stand together to see, <coughs> to see God's provision for us. Just pray this with me. And pray it honestly before the Lord. This is between you and God. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry for my wavering faith.
But right now I declare that I will trust you no matter what and fix my eyes not on the circumstances but on Jesus my Saviour. And I believe the Lord hears that prayer this morning. You may be sitting here saying, well, I don't even have a relationship with God. How's he going to bless me? And the bottom line is, if you don't, he probably won't. But if you know him, you can trust him. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, I cannot finish this meeting without challenging you and saying, why don't you do it right now? You want to you step into a life that is greater than you've ever known? You want to step into a life that will see you walk every day with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Free from sin, free from guilt, free from shame and watching him do miracles in your life. If that's you and you've never asked Jesus into your life or maybe you did a long time ago, it's time for you to renew it, to get it right. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I urge you, say this with me. If you're not right with God, let's get it right because he will reward your faith when you trust in him for salvation. Just say these words. <coughs> if you've never asked Jesus into your life or you did previously and you've walked away from it, this is your moment. This is the time right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry that I've sinned. Please forgive me of my sin. I turn away from my sin towards you. And I ask you into my life as my Lord and my Saviour. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for including me in your family. And I trust you for the future. Now, if you prayed that prayer while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, just shoot your hand up very quickly and put it down uh, wherever you are. Just shoot your hand up quickly and put it down if it's the first time or the first time in a long time you prayed that. Praise God. Now, for the rest of us, we prayed that prayer before. But if you feel your faith is wavering, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are right now. And I better not be the only one standing. If you started strong, but you feel your faith is beginning to waver, just stand where you are. There'll be a lot of us, I guarantee you, if we're honest. You believe God, but you're starting to waver a little. Come on. There's more than that. Come on. There's more than that too. Be honest with yourself. If you are believing God for something and your faith is wavering, stand up. Because we are together going to build our faith together. Maybe it's for someone you love coming to Christ. Maybe it's for a business or a home or a, a car or something like that, something you know tangible. If that is you, I'll just give you a couple of seconds to consider this. Just stand up where you are. It's so great that so many of you have unwavering faith. I'm really thrilled because that's what we aspire to. Okay, we're going to bring you guys forward. We're going to ask our team.